All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. One hour of straight hockey talk with Dan, Rick, Tyler, and Bag Milk starts now. Oilers Nation Radio episode... Blah. What is it, Tyler? Uh, 239. 239. Oilers Nation Radio 239. Yeah. Bag Milk here. Liam Coomsey filling in for Rick. Tyler here and Dan on Zoom. Got a lot to talk Hi. about today. Things are not going so well in Oilers land right now. They have lost four of their last five. Vander Kane out long-term after having a scary injury in Tampa. Jack Campbell's falling apart. We got lots to get to. First, give a shout out to our friends at Oodle Noodle. New location opening up in Calgary right away. You don't want to get, if you're here in Edmonton right now or the surrounding areas and you want to get something to eat, use our friends at DoorDash, Liam. Ding dong. Mr. Uremchuk, what do you got for us today for the delicious debate? All right, guys, we need to stay civil when we have this conversation. But the delicious debate (laughs) is this. When should Jack Campbell make his next start? All right. So before you guys give your answers, I'm just going to run through the schedule here for the next two weeks. Okay. Tomorrow, 2 p.m. in Florida. Gotta love another Saturday matinee. Then they don't play for three days. They got three days off. They got LA back here at Rogers Place on Wednesday. Then they've got the Golden Knights on Saturday. So we've only got three games in the next week. And then after that, we are back on the road, New Jersey on the 21st, New York Islanders on that Wednesday, the 23rd, and then the New York Islanders on the 26th against the Rangers. So Tyler, I will start with you. When is your next start for Jack Campbell? Okay. So just walking through my process here, he's obviously not going to start tomorrow against Florida. 
You're going to come back home, game on home ice against the LA Kings, a team that's uh, in front of you in the standings. And then after that, it's a big Saturday nighter against the Vegas Golden Knights. I will put the disclaimer that if Stuart Skinner were to get shelled against either Florida or LA, maybe this changes. But I do think there may be just a little bit of a benefit, not saying it will happen or whatever, but of just giving Campbell and sitting him down saying, we're going to give you a full week off. You're not going to play till we go back on the road. We want you to work on a few things kind of like, and, and with Coombsy here, I can use this example. You know, when a, a, a team takes a starting pitcher, like the Jays did with Kikuchi and we're like, Hey, we're putting you on the, you know, you got a neck strain. Bring Mike. Campbell in in relief. You want to put Jack Campbell in the bullpen. Well, like, you know, they would sick. You can be like 2005, six Mike Morris. And he only comes in for the shootouts. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But they, they would, they sit teams will sit a starting pitcher sometimes, put him on the IL with like a neck strain. When in reality, he's just bad. Left arm he, shittiness. Left right arm, arm shittiness. shittiness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the Oilers maybe need to go that route with Campbell where it's like, Hey, you're going to back up. You're going to be a good soldier for us. You're going to work hard in practice. We're going to do some stuff with Dustin Schwartz. We're going to get your game on track and you are going to start the road trip on the 21st for us against New Jersey. That'd be my next start for Campbell. So just to confirm, we are going a full week, 10 days between starts. I so you wanna, pl- just want to skip a start, Tyler. You want to skip a week. Well, but I mean, this kind of is skipping a start because if you were to go with the rotation they're going, it would probably be Skinner on the 12th versus Florida, Campbell on the 16th against LA, Skinner on the 19th against Vegas. I'm just skipping that LA start, giving them a little bit extra time because they have now tried the play them through it, right? And it's just not working and it's frustrating, but I think you need to try something different. And the opposite of playing them through it is sitting them through it a little bit. Isn't yeah. it kind of contingent on how Skinner plays too, though, right? It like, is. 100%. Because what if he goes in against Florida and he has a bad time and it's like, well, do you want him immediately going in his next game at home? Maybe he struggles against LA or Vegas. Like, they're in a really awkward spot right yeah. now. And I don't know if you can even plan that far ahead. I agree. Because, like, I'm looking at clearly, just as before I say this, Stuart Skinner, the better option right now. But yeah. looking at his last five starts, he's got an 870 in there. He's got an 839. He's got a 900. You know, a 974 or a 952, obviously fantastic, but there have been three starts in the last five for Skinner where it hasn't really gone his way either. So, Coombsy, what are you doing? Well, I also just pulled up something here because I wanted to try and add like another curveball into the conversation. <laughs> I was expecting to go look at the Bakersfield Condors numbers and say, hey, there, Calvin Picard is killing it down there, but that is <laughs> not happening. Calvin Picard has an 894 save percentage in six games. So, never mind my idea there. <laughs> I think. I think you kind of just have to wing it based on how they perform. If Stuart, uh, if Stuart Skinner comes in against Florida and plays well, I almost said pitch as well. Cause you have me thinking about baseball now, then you just keep rolling the hot hand and that's the way it is. But if both of them are bad, you just got to go back and forth and hope one of them figures it out. I mean, I don't know if it's as easy in hockey to just toss a guy on the phantom injured reserve with a left arm or left leg shittiness or whatever it is in baseball. But because for the Oilers, what are you going to do? Call up Picard and then shove him back down waivers. I'm again? not saying I actually put Campbell on the IR though. I'm just saying like keep him as the backup for a little You're bit putting him on timeout yeah putting yeah. him on timeout a little bit and it sucks like a lot of people in the chat today on Oilers nation every day were like man legitimately feel bad for campbell and yeah. it is rough like you can just imagine what's going through the guy's head when he's sitting there in the crease looking at his glove again after giving up a weak one like his confidence is just shot yeah and unfortunately but- there isn't really bad opponents coming up. You got Florida. They score a lot of goals. They're good. Both the Kings and Golden Knights. Those are key games you'd like to win because you're behind both those teams in the standings in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. And then it's New Jersey again on the road. We all know New Jersey is going to throw like 73 shots on net in the game. So there's no break coming up here at all. It's not easy. Well, there's a little bit of a murderer's row 
especially this road trip is a tough one. Liam, how, how are you handling the goaltending right now? I said on the last show, when Camel gets a start, they should just keep riding him until he gets cold. That's exactly what they did. They got two games out of him and he got really cold. Well, that's the interesting thing too, right? Like we talked about it on the Tuesday episode of Oilers Nation Radio, exactly what Liam just said, where it's like, I think what happens in th- on Thursday in Carolina is very dependent on this back-to-back set. Mm-hmm. Oilers as a whole were brutal against Washington. Skinner couldn't bail them out. The very next night, Jack Campbell was rock solid against Tampa Bay. Looked like the guy we hoped he would be. Made sense to go back with him against Carolina. Did not go well. Yeah. And I think when you look through Skinner's stars this season, like that Washington game, probably his worst, well, it was his worst statistical start of the year. But also, he allowed four power play goals. The penalty kill was absolutely horrendous. Atrocious. The New Jersey game, there was, was it the Jesper Bratt goal he probably would have wanted back? Was that the third goal where it kind of? It was the one where Graves stepped in and sho- shoves that weak shot on net that goes between his legs. And then yeah. the other one, I think that's more on Nima Line and Yeah. One. So then there was, there was the two goals that were really quick. One of those he wants back. The Calgary one, he was rock solid. St. Louis, he was rock solid. Buffalo, pretty good. Two of those goals were straight up breakaways. And the Tage Thompson goal was just a good goal. Yeah. And then the Calgary game Shoddy was Shoddy defending awesome. on that Tage Thompson. Yep. Yeah. I think the the whole thing with both of them is just, the team's got to be better in front of them, first of all. But right now, you've just got to believe in Skinner. I think you've got to show belief in Skinner more than anything. So I, I'm kind of with Tyler a little bit where the stretch of games, well, like this, how spread out they are, is kind of sucks for Campbell in a way. But also, he hasn't earned a spot on this team to play right now to be honest like what has he really done in these last so yeah he was good against Tampa but his two of his last three starts have been his worst games as an Edmonton Oiler I think that's fair to say and just uh, not just the worst game so far as an Edmonton Oiler two identical goals that hit him dead in the pocket on the glove and still end up going in and uh, his rebound control hasn't been good and he's just back breaking moments and we're just not getting that from Skinner right now and that's the guy I would just ride until I guess until you get a chance to play Campbell again. I don't know when that would be, but also just play the guy who's going to win you hockey games. I think that's what they've got to do. It doesn't matter how long it's going to take 10 games, 10 days, 20 days, whatever. What? 20 days, (laughs) but just play Stuart Skinner. He's clearly your better goalie. If there was a guy on the fourth line scoring a goal every single night, the Oilers wouldn't hesitate to put him up the lineup. Like just play the better goalie. I think that's what I'm going to say. So what is it? What did you say? LA Wednesday, Vegas Saturday, and then they're on the road again. On the road again, New Jersey on Monday. So the next time I would look to play him again would probably be the Islanders game. So you got almost two full weeks where you wouldn't be playing there for Liam. Dan, what do you think? Uh, Well, I mean, I wish that we had recorded this episode yesterday because I could have complained, I think, a little bit more yesterday. But I'm, I'm putting this one on the coaching staff. Uh for me. And, and so with Campbell, I would have pulled him after that goal went in with seconds left to go in the second period. I I feel like that's a goalie that's shell shocked. He's deep in his net, too deep in his net for a shot from stall. That was just an absolute throwaway of a shot that picked a corner went in and no goalie should be in that position. So I think that the team kind of made Campbell wear what he wore in the third period. I would go back to the rotation still. I think that they shouldn't have got out of the rotation at this point. I don't think Jack Campbell was ready to take over the starter position 
position by putting him in that second game against in in back to backs like they got out of the cycle of doing after the Tampa win. I I would just go back to Skinner or yeah Skinner on against Florida, and then I put Campbell in against the Kings, and then I think you have a decision to make because then you've got your Vegas, your your New Jersey, and your New York Islanders games that are the ones where you want to be able to get those points. You need to beat Vegas at this point. We need to be able to take them down a notch and keep them within striking distance for the rest of the way. Looking at the schedule for me, I don't even know how to answer this question because I, again, Stuart Skinner is by far the better option right now. So you ride him. But at the same point, I think it's going to be a little bit more game to game than maybe we expect because I, I get why they went back to Campbell yesterday. Yeah. I totally understand I why he gave we him all back. would have been on board with that at the time, right? Totally. Like, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, like you, you saw, him. we didn't tap and you're like, that makes sense. It makes sense. It the makes only thing sense I'll say is that, is that I have been pre- preaching this, this platoon back and forth, but yeah, Coom, you're right. It's like, you can't, you can't say now that you would have said no, because it's, it is, it did make sense. And it's interesting too, like last night against Carolina, how, the wheels fell off in a real hurry because in the first period, I thought Jack Campbell was solid. I thought that first goal by Svechnikov, that's not his fault. That bounces in off Barry's stick. That's a tough luck one. What are you laughing at over there? Someone just tweeted me. Uh, Sam Cheros said, if he and we were smart, we would have a burn the glove auction for <laughs> charity and just light Campbell's glove on fire and have a good laugh. You know, I, I honestly don't hate that because like the guy, I'm glad he didn't do a post game interview last night because yeah. it would have been dark. So he needs yeah. some kind of levity in his life a little bit. Maybe there's something like that. Get it. Like Greg always talks about bringing somebody in and get the curse out of the dressing room. Maybe they do that a little, a little, some kind of dance around the glove. Do you know what's weird about the others this season and just like weird shit is happening. Kulak's fallen down twice in exact same spot at Rod's mm-hmm. place. Now you have Campbell literally letting in the same goal back to back game or two and three, whatever it was. It's just like, this is voodoo shit. It's fucking weird. I don't do not get it. A cane it's, injury too, right? The like cane that's, injury. That's a, that's a fucked up injury. Yeah, it's absolutely nuts. It's this team. It feels like this weird shit going on with this. Yeah, they got to right make now. a sacrifice or something. Something's got to, something's, mm. something's got to get burned. If anyone has a goat. Was what about flex? Was has goats, yep. But like going back to is last night, like the first Svechnikov goal, it is what it is. That's on Barry it, and McDavid, right? Wasn't it McDavid Tyler? Yeah, yeah. That first goal, McDavid, that wasn't good. That was not a good look. The second one, that's the Brent Bird's power play goal. Anytime goal. I think that you probably could have had it, but I also that's not the most egregious goal of the night yep. to me. Moving forward. Svechnikov's second goal. Bad. Awful. Right in the pocket of the glove. Horror awful. When I looked at, when I watched it live, I, what my tweet was, I said, unless that hit CC's stick and change directions, that is a brutal goal. And it straight in. Hits him in the pocket, can't grip it. Moving on. Can we just mention something about that one quickly? Like, I think a lot of people are wondering because when it happened in Dallas, is like, oh, did that go through his glove? But mm-hmm. then he never went to the goal to the bench. And yeah, he, he would did have it instantly again. gone. He's clearly just not tracking the puck well enough to catch it in the right spot. It's just such a That's- weird thing to do as a goalie. Like, well, how many years in the NHL has he been now? Seven or eight years? Yeah. It just seems very odd. It's it's like I don't he- know about you guys, but I've played ball hockey goalie before, mm-hmm. and that just feels like 
he's snapping the glove in there and the like you know how the webbing sometimes it just like cups in and you get the outside of the glove instead like he's got such a whip to his hand he's getting there with such emphasis it feels like his glove doesn't even have the ability to get set it's like it's like he's almost (laughs) we're talking baseball it's like he's almost snow coning the puck yes but unable to grip it Mm -hmm. It's it's interesting it's we're weird. talking about this because the Jays had a weird situation with 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 the glove dripping. Remember, I think it was two different times throughout the season that Vladdy had his glove at first first base. The ball just went through it, and ironically, oh, yeah. one of those was in the season against Seattle, and it just felt like we talked about this in the pod before the Blue Jays playoff run started, the playoff run that lasted two games. That it felt cursed that these things were happening, and then lo and behold, the Jays play the same Mariners in the playoffs, and everything's just cursed. So to circle back to what Liam said. Something feels cursed. Something seems wrong. Another thing that's fucked up is the Svechnikov is like an Oilers killer. He has two hat tricks against the team this year. I was, I was just going to say, all I saw this summer was predictions of Carolina Edmonton. And then here we are with Svechnikov just scoring six goals against us in two games. It is unreal. Oilers and Canes meet in the cup finals. Svechnikov scores 24 goals in six games. (laughs) The really fucked up thing about Svechnikov is he was born in 2006. Oh, how dare you? No, he off. wasn't. Oh, no. He's not how 17. You. How dare you? Um, was all you had to think about it. Going back to last night, walking through the goals again, the Martinuk goal was super odd. He was like falling and then yeah. hit it out of the air and popped it up over Campbell. I don't know that that one's necessarily on Campbell more so than just a real oddity, but yeah. it is what it is. It still goes and in the net. The rebound. And then the clearing the puck one. Yes. The rebound is the issue. That's it's kind of just, uh, I know I, I hate like crapping on him for every single thing he does. It feels like you're like, you know, he's obviously under a microscope, but like a lot of these goals are led from errors from him. And like the Martin Oak one is just like very unfortunate, but it's just a repetitive error where it's like, can't control his rebounds. Mike McKenna said on the daily face off live the other day that the challenge with Jack Campbell this year so far is he's not getting himself set in the right spots. He's sliding so time, all over Yeah, so every time he needs to reposition to move to deal with a shot, maybe like a cross-crease pass kind of thing, he's not originally set, so he's having to rely on athleticism to kind of like sprawl out, and then his rebounds are going everywhere. So it just starts at the beginning with fundamentals, and I'm not a goalie. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert. I'm just regurgitating what somebody else said. But yeah, it just it's he has to basically start from scratch and figure out What's going on? It was funny you say that because maybe I'm wrong on this one, but the the second goal in the Tampa Bay game where the, who was it Killorn that tipped it? Yep. Like Campbell was, he was so far out of his net already. Like it yeah. just felt like he wasn't even following, like the shot and, probably wasn't even going there. And that's a concerning sign for yeah. me too. Again, I'm not like a goalie expert, but that goal, he didn't track that Killorn one well at all. Like that's a puck that it's a good goal. And it's one where you go, ah, okay. Like that goes in on goalies, but then you kind of watch Campbell during it. And it was the same thing as the Burns one yesterday. Natchez has the puck. And as Natchez goes to pass it across, Campbell drops his left pad to the ice. Like he's almost reading a shot coming. And then he was, like you said, he almost could have got their bag milk but he was fraction of a second late because he dropped his pad and then pushed across. It just feels like, again, nothing's working. And someone in the chat again today on Oilers Nation every day said, maybe you do just need to let him get cold. We're, me and you were talking about, like, do you just sit him for a week or when do you play him next? Let him get cold and maybe he just goes back his next start and it's like instincts for him. And he's done overthinking because his head's probably just so jumbled right now. Working through the last couple uh, from last night, the Svechnikov hat trick again, a Withers killer this year. 
Campbell makes a good save on the first one. Puck's laying right at the side of the net. Yeah. Nobody is around. That's part of the thing that most bothered me. Devin Shore is standing right there. And instead of trying to get the loose puck at the side of the net, he jumps into the crease and starts playing goalie for some reason. I didn't understand that one. Jesper fast. The last goal of the night, just a disastrous play just in general. Did that is the else? microcosm of Campbell's year that's, so far. Um, that's what resulted in that's, that's what brought my brain to the Conklin thing. When I, I, I tweeted that that was the worst goaltending performance that an Oilers had in Carolina since Ty Conklin. And it reminded me so <laughs> much like he didn't go behind the net with the Jason Smith thing, but it was just the same. Like, where are you going? What's the plan? My heart just sank, honestly, when that goal went in just to see his reaction. Yeah, it was like, sad. Man, that took that me was... right back to Flurry in the World Juniors when he uh, tried oh, to clear the yeah. puck and then hit, oh. hit the American player. But like, but that, that was what I was going to say with that play is that two things had to go absolutely perfect with that play. And they, they were, they couldn't have gone any better for Carolina. He got it out of the air and then out of the air and into the net within like a fluid half of a second of motion. It was crazy. I just feel bad for him. Cause I, like I've sat here like three shows in a row now and just said like, he has to be better, which is an obvious statement. And then, but I think he like, this is just not the guy they signed and it's not the guy who's been in the NHL. Like he is just yeah. on such a low right now. And who knows how, like he's just like just lying in the weirdest goals and it's just consistent errors. And I think Jack Campbell will get better. And yep. it, it, to be honest, we're going to look at this in like a month and his numbers probably aren't going to be great. But also if, I feel like it's going to be one of those things where you look back at his last five games and it's like, okay, well he's actually being consistently better now, but I think his overall numbers are just going to be probably look terrible all season because of this really poor start on the human. But I believe in him. On the human on the human side of this, all I can think about is that he signs the big ticket, and that's just the first thing in his fucking head. He's like, I gotta live up to this five by five. I gotta live up to the five by five. Yeah. And then it starts going like because if you watch him in the preseason when the games don't matter, he was playing loose and he looked fine. And then when the game started to matter for real, fucking man, the wheels really fell off. Um, I want to hear from you. Owen Radio Podcast, hit us up on social. When are you starting Campbell next? Very obvious. Skinner's getting the net tomorrow against Florida. What do you do after that? Hit us up. Owen Radio Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. The other awful news from this week, obviously, that we got to touch on next is Evander Kane. Tampa Bay game on, what was that, Tuesday? Tuesday. Weird play because I personally thought that should have been whistled down before we got to the incident because Kane was slew footed right in front of the bench. Yes. That was, yeah. I- slew footed right in front of the bench. To me, that is an instant penalty that got missed and should have been called down. Progresses. Pat Maroon, unfortunately, steps on Kane's arm, wrist, something like that. You see instantly the blood on the ice and you know it is not good. It is bad. And then we see Evander Kane today ahead of the Oilers game in Florida tomorrow talking to the media. He is completely strapped up that arm. He's going to be out three to four months uh, at the earliest. Yay. Do we want to do this now? Are we Kucherov in this guy? Or- well, that's what I want to know is like f- four February. months takes us to February. Yeah. <laughs> Season doesn't end until April 12th. So When's the trade deadline? March, March 3rd. March 3rd. So it's he's going to be back around that time. Maybe. Maybe. The, and he'll be sold as our one trade deadline pickup. Oh, fuck Dan. I didn't <laughs> even think about that. But Jesus. it's going to be like, was their ad last year, right? It was their yeah. mid-February edition. Turned everything around. This year is the mid-February edition again. 
<laughs> Time's a flat you circle. Just have you to get Mike Smith your back mind, in the mix Tyler, as well. Yeah. <laughs> he is on the roster. Trade for Derek Broussard again? I Bring the band back together? I will say if there is... Yesterday on Real Life, I was against this. I was like, it doesn't make sense. It's not realistic. But then I read the tweet from Nugent Bowman today. Evander Kane is back with the Oilers and in good spirits. The skate cut went down to the bone, he said. His wrist is immobilized. If your wrist is immobilized because you were cut all the way to your bone, I think that might take longer than three or four months. Tendon damage in there, probably. There's fucking blood vessels in there. There's all kinds of shit. So, like, I wonder when the Oilers give that three, four month timeline, is that just for him to get back on the ice and like working out with that wrist? Or are they expecting him to play at that point? Because I look at how long was Michaela about? It was, it was because the COVID season, he was supposed to be out three to four, but then the league got paused because of COVID and he came back during the bubble and he was fully healthy in August. So he was expected. He got hurt around. It was in December. It was late December and he was expected to be back slightly before the playoffs started if there was no COVID. So we don't Three, know yeah, what his normal injury timeline would have been because he didn't technically make it back till August. Was that as bad? Like, I don't remember. It was that, that it was roughly as fucked up. Like there was blood everywhere. It was pretty intense. Like the players in the team were like, ah, why are we still playing the game? This is whack. It was, it was oh, pretty, it was pretty bad. Parables. I just, I, I think there's a chance here. And like you were talking in the office before you were like, oh, if they wanted to Kucherov him, they should have said out indefinitely because yeah. now they're opening themselves up to an investigation. If he doesn't come back, I think the NHL is probably at the point they're investigating this stuff pretty hard anyways now. And the thing with this injury is if Kane were to hypothetically be on board with it, because you wouldn't need to have him on board, right? Like you have if, to tell him, you have to ask. You have to be yeah. like, hey man, look, you're not going to play down the stretch for the team. You're back in game one of the playoffs. Is and that you okay to, You have you? to tell him. Even if you're good in March, you're not coming back. You have to watch. You need to. And again, he would need to have the wink under the table conversation of like, oh, and if the NHL comes a knock and you're going to say it still hurts to shoot the puck on August or on April 11th and you can't play till April 13th. (laughs) If they ask him to do that, then if the NHL PA, you know, the union that represents the players, if they ask, hey, Vander, like, yeah, this is is actually what's happening. He has to lie and say that's what's going on. It is not an easy thing to ask a player to do beyond just being competitive. You have to lie to the Players Association. Well, I think there's also (laughs) going to be the angle of where are the Oilers at when he's eligible to come back? Because losing a Vander Kane, no doubt, I don't care who they call up. Yeah. That is a massive loss for this team. Huge. So where are the Oilers at three months from now? If they're struggling and they need wins and they're kind of like bubble-ish, do you not want him back in the lineup? Yeah, because they're not Tampa. That's the thing is we use Tampa yeah. as the example. The Oilers are not the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Lightning yeah. put Kucherov on the LTIR the whole year so that they didn't have to trade, you know, Tyler Johnson or Brian McDonough. For the Oilers, we're all being like, oh, let's LTIR him so we can get Jacob Chitrin, who hasn't played yet this season. Here's Who's an also idea. injured. Hear me out. You get Chikrin, Kucherov them. <laughs> Fuck me. Kucherov them both. <laughs> and then you go get Ryan O'Reilly. And Kucherov him too. And nobody <laughs> plays until game one, just like Vegas last year when they got Jack Eichel and it was, oh yeah, Eichel, Stone, and Pacioretty. We'll all be back for game one of the playoffs. Well, guess who didn't make the playoffs? Vegas. That's what worries me a ton yeah. about the Oilers. Yes. They f- they have that weird feeling. Of well, because there's also teams. Know, they feel cursed. There's teams that yeah. right now in the Pacific Division are getting wins that you probably didn't expect to get. Seattle. Like right now, currently, November 11th, as we're recording this, Seattle is in a playoff spot. 
The only good thing I think about this Oilers stretch of games where they're playing like all these tough teams is that they don't play any easy teams. So there's time for this lineup to get held. Like Yamamoto's on the lineup tonight, uh, tomorrow too. What's going on with him? Like I missed what happened. I know he was scratched last night, but like what happened? I don't know. Cause he played like 15, 16 minutes against Tampa. Now all of a sudden he's not in the team and now he's back in Edmonton and he's being reevaluated for an injury. Was he had a shoulder injury? That's what it was. Or was it a wrist? I don't know, but it, whatever it is, he's not, he's dealt with a handful of things. So does career. Remember there was one year he was in the, it was the year before he broke out in 1920. He only played like half the season in the AHL. Right. He's had a ton of different things. Uh, I think he had a concussion issue. I think I could be wrong. Someone could correct me on that. I think there's been a wrist issue and a shoulder issue. Just a, a string of injuries, which is worrying. Absolutely it felt worrying. like they were, it almost felt like they were waiting for an injury to happen like Kane's so that they could make roster transactions, including Yamamoto getting some time off because he's obviously banged up with something. Yamamoto got hurt in last year's playoffs. It was Gabriel yeah. Landeskog clipped him up high. Right. And yeah. that's what it was. Uh, yeah. Because the game before that's when, was it who mm. was it? Kadri? Kadri got hurt by Kane the game before yeah. game one. And then Landeskog came out and said, like, you can't be making hits like that. And then he did that oh, to yeah. Yamamoto. And the NHL was game. like, ah, nothing happened. Yeah. Nah, that's fine. Blindside yeah. hit to a kid that's like half your size. No problem. Has no Yamamoto biggie. been the same since then? No. I know it's not been like a ton of sample size, but like. Yeah, I don't know if I necessarily want to go there, but. Concussions well, are weird, man. You never know. <laughs> was it a concussion? Sorry, you said They called it upper right? body injury, but since it's playoffs, you'll never know. Right. But based on the hit, you kind of think that's what it was. Mm. But yeah. that's, that's, a, that's, that's a lot of speculation on our yeah. part. Either way, Oilers not looking good right now in terms of just, I think Liam said it on Oilers Nation every day where it's like the lineup that we've got for tomorrow on Saturday is so drastically different than the one we had available last Saturday. It is wild how it, much can change in a week. This is why it was a good idea for the Oilers not to trade Yavi Yamo all Fogel this offseason. For this exact reason. Like everyone was saying is like, oh, we need to create cap space for this, this, and this, like whatever it was. It's like, but what are we gonna do if someone gets injured? Yes. Like at least now we have we still have a very reasonable top six. Like what it what was it in practice today? McDavid, Hyman, Yavi, so, uh, sorry, I guess you have it. Yeah, I got the lineups. Uh today in practice was Nuge, McDavid, Puliarvi. That's the first line. Holloway, dry Hyman, Fogel, McLeod. The real Klim Shady. Oh, what is your problem? This over there? whole top nine. It's there. We're back to just being top heavy. There's no depth. It sucks. Yeah. Well, Mark Shore, Ryan to finish. off. How, well, how many other teams yeah. can recall, uh, Joachim Nygaard or sorry, Joachim Nygaard. <laughs> what did I say? Um, we should try to recall Joachim Nygaard. Matthias yeah. Janmark. I'm going to go Joachim Nygaard off of that. Matthias Janmark and Klim Costin. That's pretty good depth, Tyler. It's better than the days in the past when we were calling up Josh Curry. Yeah. <laughs> like the reality, Gravel. though, like to be fair to Matthias Yanmark, he has had an 18 goal season in the National he's, Hockey He's an League. NHL player. He played for the Red Wings, allegedly. Allegedly. And Clem, uh, Clem Costin, you have no idea, really. <laughs> Fuck, can you imagine he just comes in? It? Can you imagine he just goes on a heater? Clem Costin has like eight goals in the next 12 games. But like, wouldn't that what be nice? Because that's my question that I want to ask yeah. you guys is. You can't replace Evander Kane in the lineup. No, no. We know that. But who do you think is, has, has to step up the most in terms of what we've got on the roster right now to try and chip away at that void? All the way. I was, kind of, was going to be my pick too, actually. He's literally in that spot. And the <laughs> other thing too is after Holloway, who else on this roster outside of the top six right now 
deserves a crack in that spot and the answer is pretty much no one because you don't want to move ryan mcleod out of being your 3c so it's no one like they have no choice but to just run with dylan holloway as the 2lw and and hope he gets hot that was part of the season though we came into this year with the others can be pushed over the top if two rookies break out one was philip broberg he was going to be the answer for the second pairing on on defense kulak would start off as the 2d and then broberg would evolve into the role and then holloway is going to start off you know third line or whatever but by the end of it he'll be a top six winger and that's what we all just said was inevitable last year evan bouchard broke out so this year philip broberg is going to break out dylan holloway is going to break out it's just going to happen but it's not an automatic like holloway's only played like 50 40 50 games in the nhl he missed the first half of last year because of a wrist surgery and the expectations for all these kids are massive. I think the Oilers put that expectation on Broberg, though. Yeah. Like Holloway, uh, not Holloway, what's that GM called? Uh, Holland. Holland. Yeah. There's too many similar names. <laughs> he literally said, like, Broberg has to work his way out of the lineup, which inevitably means he's going to be on the team. unless he's, Which is, he did work himself out of the lineup. Which he literally worked himself out of the lineup. So now the expectations are, oh, well, should we trade him? Well, I was like, yeah, probably shouldn't trade him, but... I'm open yeah. to trading him. You would trade him? I'm open-ish to the I'm idea. Open, yeah, I'm open to trading him, but I'm... I wouldn't say he's untouchable for me like he is for yeah. some people. I don't think there's many players. I think there's two players on this. Yeah, maybe that's an yeah. understatement. There's probably a few. But Who would be your third untouchable behind the big two? Huge. I think mine's Stuart Skinner. It Judging might be. Cap it and how yeah. good he is, honestly, that's yeah, probably that's the, the third one. Yeah, I mean, there's there's the there's like untouchable in the like I'm David Drysaddle range. Like, of course, depending on the return, you yeah. trade anybody outside of McDavid and Drysaddle. But like, yeah. like, if we're talking about like at the deadline, guys, you wouldn't move. I would, Holloway would right. be pretty yeah. much untouchable for me. Holloway like, I wouldn't move Holloway in a Patrick Kane deal per se. No, I would move Broberg in a Patrick Kane deal. I'd be I'd be very tempted to. Yes, would you? I would 100%. See, here's really my, my only argument against it is this defense is good wait right a now. Minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You were leading the charge. Oh, the- I am all aboard. Trust me. But I'm just saying is like, I don't know if I would just be like, oh, they want Broberg. Like, here you go. Because this defense isn't good. Like, bro, I'm, I don't but know. I don't think Broberg, he's going to help it. I don't think he can make it worse. I think there's other guys in the AHL that might be more likely to help the blue line. Like Jason Darius or somebody like that. Jason Demers. Ah, I don't know about that. Would you ever have Jason Demers or Ryan Murray right now? Neither. I'd rather have Vincent Dearnays <laughs> or Chris Russell bring him back. Fuck, at least Chris Russell blocks shots. I wonder if Dearnay will get a shot here once he kind of gets his feet rolling. I he just know. came back from injury. Yeah. He was really good for the Condors last year. I think the others yeah. could really use that. They, they need more guys who are... But is he really going to be that much better than Marcus Nimalainen? No, he's no not, but you but just replace him. He's also older. <laughs> cool. Look at his player profile picture, though. He's that motherfucker is guy, scary, man. man. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just given the way the Oilers have played right now, like the... the, the, the the, the big problem with their blue line is yeah, nobody can make a good pass. Oh my God. Isn't he scary? He is a frightening looking dude. He just looks like a scary dude. Isn't he six, seven, six, six, six seven, is what he's listed Ooh, six, as, seven, yeah. huge wig span, mean looking motherfucker. So, I mean, even though the, the big issue with the Oilers is they can't make a pass, <laughs> bring up some guys that were tough to play against. Why did he shave his head? <laughs> to look yeah. even scarier. <laughs> like straight up. So we can look scary. He's terrifying. Maybe I would trade Broberg for Patrick Kane. I think about it. And then put Patrick Kane on the LTIR and Kucherov him. 
It's we got Patrick Kane, Evander Kane, Ryan O'Reilly, Jacob Chitrin, um, Mike Smith, some I, other guys. Clef Bomb, Clef Bomb, Clef Bomb's on, on the LTI. Yeah. Maybe he'll come back for the playoffs too. I was saying this on Real Life yesterday, but you know how like there was the James Neal twenty goal thing, right? There was the Oilers giving up picks for Shirelli and McClellan, and then the NHL was like, not a rule anymore. There was the Keith thing with uh, the cap space and all of that. Could you not see the Oilers Kucherovin Kane than the NHL being like, we're stripping you guys of your first rounder <laughs> cap yeah, circumvention? 100%. 100%. We're sitting here like, fuck. They get a $10 million cap penalty put on to next season <laughs> and they like can't resign guys. They can't resign Ryan McLeod and Stuart Skinner. They can't afford them. They get offer sheeted. Um, back to the question oh though, of who has, who has the most pressure of stepping up in Kane's absence. Dan, what do you think? <laughs> I was saying, like, I think it's Jesse and it's Yamo. And uh, like, I understand that Holloway is going to be, I think the body that's in that spot, but I, you got to get something out of one of these two guys that is putting points up on the board. I know that we've seen a lot of, you know, positive numbers from both sides of, of that argument. But for me, Yamamoto and Pugliarvi have to start playing and paying off on their side of the puck to be able to overcome. I just think for Kane, the the positives that we're going to see is from the bottom six getting better now with Yanmark in the mix um, there. And then, and then you just have to see Jesse and Yamo figure it the fuck out. I'm not, I'm also going to add Warren Fogle to that list. Yep. He got his yep. first of the season of yep. beauty against, uh, against Tampa Bay. Lots of credit, bullet of a shot. The celebration. Fantastic. You could tell he must've been listening to our episode fired on Tuesday, up, but I'm adding him on that list. We've got those $9 million worth of players that they've got two goals amongst them. So the pressure is on those three for me, Liam, what do you got? Um, I think the Fogle had a pretty good chance last night, didn't he? Where yep. he kind of went in on the goalie. That's yep. good to see. Um, yeah, I think those $3 million guys are a key, obviously. I, I think it's it's probably Yessie too. He's playing next to McDavid. Eventually, he's got to start getting some goals or contributing with some points. And yeah, let's just see that before we look at everything else around him. Cam? I'm going to go in a different direction and say Clem Costin. He was a first-round pick. He was a very good world juniors. Really skilled guy. Big guy. He's not afraid to drop the gloves. I don't think there should be any pressure on Klim Kost, and I don't think anyone's sitting here being like, oh, geez, if Klim Kostin doesn't come in and score 10 goals in Evander Kane's absence, then fire him into space. But, I mean, realistically, he's probably the best profile of the guy to fill into what Kane does, which is be a bit of an agitator and a tough guy with skill. I think that's, I, I don't think we're going to need to sit here and expect Fogel or Pugliarvi or, heaven forbid, Yamamoto to be, you know, like a tough guy who's maybe an unafraid to drop the gloves or throwing hits, getting guys off their game. I think that's, that's cost and spot. And I think when they acquired him, it was okay. We want to have a second kind of physical guy to be here in case Kane gets hurt. Cause if you're Vander Kane, you're a power forward. These guys get injured. We know that we've seen that with every one of them, Lucic, Kazian, Rappi Torres from the start of time. It is what it is. Tyler, who you got? <sighs> I get, I, th- I think it's just kind of Holloway. I think you need production from Holloway. The pool thing is, <sighs> Like that, I mean, that would have been regardless of the cane injury for me. That's a guy who's just got to start scoring, period, right? You can throw all the good numbers, and I get watching him. He does a lot of things really well on the ice, but you got to score. Like, it's still the same thing, same story as in the playoffs where Puligarvi gets the puck on his stick, and he doesn't know what to do with it. And it's like, okay, if you're going to make three million bucks, let's start putting some of these chances home. You just can't keep looking that clunky. 
On Wednesday, you had Frank Saravalli from Daily Face Off on Oilers Nation every day talking a little bit of trade talk with the Oilers. What's the basics of what Frank had to say? So I asked Frank if the little losing streak is just viewed as a blip by this front office or if maybe this is, you know, caused them to kind of think a little bit differently about what their plans could be for the next few months leading up to the trade deadline. And Frank's response was, I certainly think they have their marching orders. They would like to add someone into the bottom six who maybe has a bit of grit, someone along those lines who brings a bit of toughness or maybe a very good centerman. Mm. And I found that interesting. We all know they're going to look for a D-man, right? Like Susie or someone of that ilk is going to be a high priority. But I also, just from Frank's answer, do you not improve the defense of this team if you go out and get a really damn good defensive third-line centerman? Sure. 100%. Especially if you're playing Nugent Hopkins on the wing, which is the best spot for him, in my opinion. Sure. It's McLeod on the wing, too. Lots of speed there. Who's your ideal? Obviously, like you said, Ryan O'Reilly yesterday on Real Life. I don't buy for a second the Oilers have any fucking chance of getting Ryan O'Reilly. Well, but that's one where he's out there because if the Blues keep losing and they're out of the race, he's a UFA at the end of the year and they would sell him, right? They wouldn't be looking to re-up that guy. So from like obviously, he's not going to come here in the next month, but I think that's a name to keep an eye on ahead of the trade deadline because, again, adding a Carson Soucy or someone like that makes you good. But imagine if for, you know, let's say there's 50, 5 five on five minutes in a hockey game. If 20 or if 18 go to McDavid, 18 go to dry and 14 go to Ryan O'Reilly, pretty hard to get scored on with one of those three always on the ice. Oh, so, don't tell, I love it. Yeah. I just, I, I love it. I think Jonathan Taves is one to like actually watch. I think that's like a realistic one. So that one to make the math work, you'd have to do like Chicago retains 50 and then like a third team retains some retains 50 and you trade Fogel and the money works and it probably costs you a, Second round pick too. Poor Warren Fogel's always getting traded out of town, you know? He is. And I feel for him, but that's what happens when you make 2.75 <laughs> million, right? And there's always a chance that Jonathan Taves is injured and you acquire him and do the future <laughs> thing. And then he joins Patrick Kane, Evander Kane, Oscar Clefbaum, Mike Smith. Who else do we have? Chitrin? Yeah, Chitrin's on running. There. Chitrin. O'Reilly was on that list. O'Reilly's too. on there yeah. too. Yeah. God damn, I might as well just go get Kucherov. We're going to have a hell of a lineup for the playoffs. We keep acquiring players and then hiring someone to like hit them in the knee with a lead (laughs) pipe right as they get off the plane. Like they take one step off and it's like bonk LTIR. Oh no. (laughs) When radio boys are ready to go, Oilers, let us know. (laughs) We've come up with an idea, Ken. This is bulletproof. (laughs) Was the Ben Sherratt trade a three-way trade last season? They laundered money through somebody, but who was it? Because Florida did it as well with Domi. They helped Carolina. They helped Carolina and they got a pick. At least did this with Robin Lehner too. I just. (laughs) It costs you. It costs you an extra asset, but. It probably cost. Wasn't it a first round pick in both cases? No. No, I don't think it's ever been more than a third to be the money laundering (laughs) team. Yeah. Or maybe a first just went to wherever Sherrod was. Oh, they gave up, I think, two yeah, first Venture, The return was uh, first was part of the Shroud deal for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. So I the think- example I have right here is the Leafs. Um, the, the, when Vegas was getting Robin Lehner back in 2020, they laundered him through the Leafs and the Leafs gave Vegas or the Vegas gave the Leafs a fifth round pick, which they used on Casper Puito. Mm, that was worth it. Yeah. Casper um, Puito playing in Sim Liga this year has five points in 15 games. 
Anyways, okay. I think Taves is one to like actually keep an eye on. Uh, you know, Bo Horvat's out there, but I think he's going to cost you too much. He's going to cost a ton. He's on a He's heater. also not that good defensively. Yeah, so I don't think he's a great fit for what the Oilers need. Um, so yeah, I think Taves is probably right now the the one that I'd look at and be like, yeah, he's actually probably a pretty good fit. He's playing great hockey this year compared to last year. Uh, for our friends at Twig and Berries, any final thoughts on just trade talk or who needs to step up? If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. No? All right. For our friends at Twig and Berries, it's time for hot and cold. Or, uh, sorry, ask the idiots. I've got a handful of questions here that you guys submitted. I'm going to get the boys' first take on all of this. Twigandberries.ca, that's where you need to go. Use the promo code NATION15. Get a little discount on your order. Got it? Good. Excellent. All right. Uh, just cause I'm going to start with the room. Dan is my TV right in front of me. So I'm going to start with Dan. First question. It's kind of a weird question, but endless possibilities. I feel like what is the biggest risk reward moment that you can remember in hockey? Uh, the example given there is risk reward last year. The Oilers brought in Evander Kane. There was a lot of noise. The reward obviously paid off. The risk was worth the reward. Dan, do you have something that comes to mind? Oh, that is, that's a very oddly specific example. Uh, risk versus reward. Um, <laughs> I'll say when, um, oh man, oh, I don't even that's know. That's a tough question. Uh, I can go. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Tyler. Yeah, you got Pulling one. the goalie. <laughs> Pulling the goalie is like, Good risk versus <laughs> I it, what I would say just to add to that, because when you pull the goalie with like four minutes left, 
their teams like I always find that interesting when teams yeah. pull the goalie that early. The red the reward would be obviously the tying the game, but the risk is you have no fucking goalie for four minutes. <laughs> I think I have an example here. How there about you. when Brian Burke did a whole bunch of maneuvering ahead of the 1999 NHL entry draft oh. so that he could draft both of the Sedins. There you go. You had to cool. trade away a bunch of guys. I think they traded Brian McCabe, who was a good young D-man at the time. They traded up to get two and three. Atlanta went with Patrick Steffen, Oilers legend, for that uh, mm. net fuck-up in 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's who Atlanta selected. And Vancouver got both the Sedins, but you never know. And the Sedins are going to the Hall of Fame. The Sedins weekend. are going to the Hall of Fame now, and you never know. Maybe they... Weren't going to work out in the NHL, but they did. So maybe it was this a good is, risk. Maybe this isn't a great example, but what I'll go with here is the risk of signing Zach Hyman to a long-term big money contract. There's a risk there, but the reward has been, I mean, he's been paying off everything we've wanted him to. Sure. Maybe. Is that I got fair? it. Go ahead, Dan. I got mine. Uh, my biggest risk reward move was the San Jose Sharks making the transaction for Eric Carlson. That was like, I, I feel like that team if I'm remembering it correctly, that Sharks team was still like on the precipice of competing and they risked it all to bring in a Carlson and it did not work out for them. Except now he's red hot. Yeah, he's had 10 goals in 15 games this year, but and now San Jose is shit. They're so terrible, perfect yeah. time. And that ended up costing them Tim Stutzla. There you go. And Josh Norris. Hey, here's another risk reward. Speaking of Ottawa is they went and did the Matt Duchesne trade again with Alex DeBrincat. And it looks like the same situation all over again. That's a big risk. It's not working out for them. Yeah. Less like, you having a bad line. year. I haven't paid attention at all. He just isn't scoring as much as he should be. I think Patty Kane feeding him, dishing him. He pucks, has you know? two goals in 13 games, which is bad given he scored 41 goals last season. Yeah, not great. He's uh, not, not living up to the expectations. And Ottawa's looking like they're going to be uh, fin- finishing low again this year. Yeah. So how about, number? How about, how about Calgary situation of selling off Kachuk and Gaudreau? and getting Uyghur, Huberto, and Kadri out of it. I got one. Go ahead, Liam. What about Jay Woodcroft? The risk of ah. bringing in an inexperienced coach in the NHL and getting to the Western Conference Finals as the award. How about the risk Jay Woodcroft took himself when he could have just went and kept being an associate with Todd McClellan, and he said, damn it, no, I'm going to be my own man. And he went down to Bakersfield for a few years. Now he's got a job with a cup contender. There you the go. The risk of walking in on his parents in that movie. Yeah. The reward, a 100%. great clip years later. He could, the risk that he took was following his passion for hockey when the reward of being an actor, he could have been Brad Pitt. He's all. very handsome. The most handsome coach in the NHL, as we yeah. remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a good question. That was tough. That made us think. That really made us That think. was a complicated one to start things I'm off. I'm impressed this, with us. This one's a little bit easier, maybe. Liam, I'll start with you. Should Ken Holland spend the Evander Kane LTIR space? And if so, how are you spending it? Oh, boy. Uh... I'll just say yes, assuming that he can be out for the entire year and how he should spend it is I, th- I think defenseman. I think you need another defenseman. Yeah. I say no, because I, I don't like that. Everyone always uses Tampa as the example. I mentioned this earlier. I think Tampa is a spe- it was a special team. They were very good and they were coming into a season where they were re-signing guys and fitting them under their cap. It wasn't, Oh, Hey, Kucherov busted his hip up in, May or in March and we put him on the LTR so we could trade for so-and-so. And I think the more realistic situation that you're going to see is this one with Vegas last year when they just wound up playing this never ending game of musical chairs, 
Jack Eichel comes off the injured reserve and then it's Mark Stone has to go on and then Mark Stone's coming off. So Max Pacioretty has to go on and then Nolan Patrick's on and Laurent Brassois is on. Everyone's on the LTIR and you're like, well, just wait till we get to the playoffs and making the playoffs isn't an automatic. I think the Oilers, you just, you know, you, you, the LTIR space you get is the flexibility to finally operate with a 23 guy roster. You can call up another D man from the AHL, call up your two forwards. So you have a normal amount of players in your team and you can healthy scratch guys and operate like a normal team for a while. That's, that's the move for me. Tyler, what are you doing? Not spending it till you know for sure. You just can't do it yet. And just wait till closer to the deadline and you'll have a firmer timeline. The last thing you want to be doing is fucking yourself cap wise like Vegas did a year ago by making the trade and just going, ah, I'm sure we'll have other guys in LTIR when Kane's back. So you got to wait, wait, wait. Dan, what are you doing? Uh, I, I'm waiting because I don't think Ken Holland is that GM. I just think that the Tampa Bay GM or whoever makes these, these, real good cap moves is not a guy that's been in the league for 20 years. Still. It's just, I just think it's unfair for us to accept that expect that of Ken Holland. He's not that guy. And I think if anything, he just uses any of his money at the deadline uh, in last minute transactions, but I don't think he's planning for it. For me, I would love if he spent all this LTIR money on a defenseman that helps make the team better. Now I just, I I'm kind of with Dan in the sense that there's, I don't think there's a trade coming. I just think it's going to be up to the guys in the room. We always look for a trade in November, December, if there's a, <laughs> if there were struggle and they never come. So historically I'm just going to go with history on this one. And I don't think anything's coming. Also, if we get an early move, remember the last time this happened, it was Alex Petrovich and Brandon Manning. That, one that is also very so fair. So let's, let's wait till February, March. That is also very fair. Did you see there was like Kevin gravel? Did I get, did you see that? Where, what? There was someone on, some people on Twitter today were talking about Kevin Gravel. I don't even know what team. It was the Oilers rumor bot. Is that real? (laughs) No. It's just a bot. Oh. It's just random names. He got me. He got me good. Well, then you'll also know. I wouldn't be shocked though. You'll also know that the Oilers are looking at Jason Garrison again. Boom, boom. Hello, Valentin Zykov. Liam, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but. Connor McDavid announced he's actually moving to the yeah, Islanders. He was the- <laughs> <laughs> uh, shout out to us. Verified, totally legit, verified people on Twitter. Uh, next question, Tyler, I'll start with you. Uh, Do you think the Oilers issues right now are related to roster construction or are they just getting too much in their own heads and letting other teams dictate the terms of the game? I'll answer this one real quick. They're just playing like shit. Um, This team is good enough to beat any team in the NHL, but when they decide to not show up and not do little things right, it shows up in the game. Like you can go back through all of these losses and it's not like they're playing real good and just losing to a better team. It's like, no, against Carolina, you can count six things that went wrong. That game may be a little different because they got blown out, but against Washington, six, seven things that all went wrong. They lose by a goal and a bunch of their losses this year have been by one goal in games where they play terribly they're shooting themselves in the foot. It's not roster construction. Dan? Yeah, it just comes down to the play. And and what was the other option? It was either roster construction or... They just too much in their own heads. Yeah, it was just. I guess if the answer is then, yeah, it's they're too much in their own heads because I just think from the top to bottom, this team needs to be better and outside of maybe Connor McDavid. And uh, that's it. So, yeah, in their own heads. Yeah, I sort of wonder if 
I, I, I don't know if this is an internal thing because we're not there, so we don't know. But I feel like generally among the fans, we we underrated the loss of the players that they lost last offseason. This is, you know, Mike Smith, Duncan Keith. Those are players that played that filled pretty significant roles in there. We didn't have the same amount of roster turnover that, say, the Flames had in the offseason, but it was still a lot of change. And there's a lot of banking on young guys to just step up and do something like we mentioned earlier. It was Philip Broberg is going to be a two left D by now. And maybe you just can't expect that to happen. So that's one challenge. And then I do think there's a little bit of a team getting kind of buying into its own hype. They're reading their own press clippings where they're a Stanley Cup favorite coming into the season. And you think, ah, we have to play 82 games. It'll be a breeze. And then we'll get into the playoffs. None of this matters. Like these are tune up games. I kind of wonder if there's a bit of a sentiment of that in their head because we didn't see the best from the Oilers last year until they brought Woodcroft on. They were pretty desperate. They needed to win and they bared down and went and, and won. So, I mean, I feel like maybe the slow start here, eventually they'll kind of look and be like, you know what? We actually have to play hard to make the playoffs. It's not a guarantee. And then maybe they'll, 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 they'll shift. Yeah. Um, maybe a bit of both, I suppose. Like I feel like holes weren't fully filled when guys were leaving. Like the Duncan Keith thing is clearly wearing on this team a little bit. And it was young guys were relied upon to get better and they just, it's early in the season still. And I think, yeah, just kind of, getting in their own heads, I suppose. And just things aren't going well for them right now. It's just a weird start to the season. I am. I have actually, I do think the defense needs an upgrade, but overall, I don't think this is a roster issue. I think that the Oilers are not crossing off the T's and dotting the I's on the basics of their game right now. And I think that that's affecting them on the scoreboard. Like Tyler said, Washington, that is a game that the Oilers should win. Half the lineup is out. They got a backup in net. Personally, I felt nervous about it, but that's one that the Oilers should win. And they didn't. And it wasn't because Washington was fantastic. It was because the Oilers kept shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, last question. Ask the idiots. Coomzee, I'll start with you. With no trade partners appearing interested in Yesapuliarvi or Tyson Berry, at least at the moment, what is the plan to help our team get back uh, on the back end or at right wing? Do we have to give someone up we don't want to? We can't have these all these assets and still lose hockey games. What's the line? No pain, no gain. What are we doing? That's a challenge. I mean, I think, I mean, it's only been a month. Like you have to give the team some time to gel and figure it out. Like, you know, Puyarvi, Fogel, Yamamoto, they've had slow starts the year, but it doesn't mean they're going to go through the entirety of the season and combine for six goals. Like it, it, you'd like for everyone to hit the ground running because as I said before, they didn't have a tremendous amount of roster turnover. You'd like to hit the ground and just have that your team be good the whole season. But the reality for the Oilers is there are, pressed up right against the salary cap team. So any deal they make, if they're going to add, it's going to be a bit of a challenge. They're going to need someone to go out the other way. So I think come February, March, you kind of know what team you have. You have to give it at least 40, 50 games to know where you're at. And then you figure out who's pushing the team in the right direction, who's not. And then if it comes to it and the Oilers need to make a big ad and they're not there financially, they might have to attach a draft pick to a player to get rid of them to open up the salary cap space to make a different move. That's just how it's going to be. But we're not far enough into the season yet to figure out what that move is going to be. Maybe it's the D-man that can pass. Maybe it's a shutdown D-man. Maybe it's a third line center. Maybe it's a winger. Who knows? Maybe it's everything. But I think it's one of those let's cross that bridge when we get there situations. Give them 40 games to figure out who they are. Tyler, what's going on? 
Yeah, I, I don't think we should be sitting here doing like the trade Pugliarvi, trade Barry whole song and dance quite yet. We'll save that for closer to the deadline. And even then, like, hate to bring him up again because I want to see him succeed here. But like, you know, you, you attach Warren Fogle into a deal and a team will take a chance on a young guy like that, a rebuilding team. So I'm not sitting here being like, oh, got to trade up the first in Holloway and Broberg to get Susie now. Like, let's chill. Like Cam said, let's let's give it to game 40. Then we'll freak out if we need to then. Dan, what's the plan? <laughs> I mean, unless something is dropped in your lap, like a Jacob Chitrin deal that you can't say no to, it would be silly to make a transaction right now. That would be like signing all your free agents in the offseason when you don't have to, right, Calgary? I just think that you're you're you'd be making decisions for your roster before you truly know what this roster is made of. You haven't even seen this roster with a Matthias Yanmark in it. You haven't seen this team with a bunch of Broberg in it. There's a whole bunch of different options that we still haven't seen where they actually fit into it. Even like Nima Linen is a guy that I wouldn't necessarily say I'm comfortable in, in his spot or uncomfortable in his spot yet. So I just think you've got time. We've got miles of runway to go here. I know Vegas is, is way ahead of us in standings, but I don't think anybody thinks that that's going to sustain for the rest of this time. So I don't think it's time to panic just yet. You got to be able to create a championship contending team for a couple of years. You don't make that move by making a move in November. Liam, what's the plan? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think making a move right now is going to do too much. I wouldn't. Yeah. I don't know. I would just kind of let this team play out. See, we have these guys on this team who haven't really played yet. Like, yeah, Mark's a guy that can probably contribute to the bottom six. Like, we don't really know what Clem Costin is. Roberg hasn't played on this team yet this season. Even like James Hamlin, Tyler Benson. I know those names aren't going to come in and score 40 goals, but also I think they'll all contribute in a good way. And to be honest, like Campbell's going to be better. So the results will start coming to team's way and they'll get more on a streak here. And like, we saw them win five in a row, right? So... They're clearly capable of winning games. Injuries haven't helped them right now, but I don't think Holland's going to do anything too hasty at the moment. Uh, For me, I think the plan is that the players have to work through it every year. If the Oilers have a bad November, December, we're always clamoring for trades. They never come. So this team's going to have to work its way through it. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the reality. And you're probably, some of you may be listening to this and going, fuck you bag milk. Yeah. You know what? (laughs) You know, I'm right. There's got to no be a Petrovich or Manning deal out there to make, man. Gravel. Get Kajula back. <laughs> yeah. Is he still in the league? He's in Buffalo. 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 How about a day? I mean, how how wild was the Eichel hat trick last night in Buffalo? So funny. Oh. The Hilarious. wave to the crowd after, that is ice cold shit right there. Yeah. Ice sick. cold. I love it. Although we were talking about this, that deal was a year and seven days ago. If you gave each GM a do-over, neither of them would take it. I think that was truly a win-win. Do you remember the time everyone was just, what's the GM, Kevin Adams? Yeah. Everyone's like, what is he doing? Like, he didn't get anything. It's like, well, you got a top six forward, paying Krebs, who's probably going to be a decent NHL. Didn't they get a first-round pick, too? And a second-round pick. And that first-round pick ended up being 16th overall. And now they have a second in a really deep draft. And Vegas got their super, their franchise star that they wanted. So, win-win. And Jack, I could go to surgery. Win, win, win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we wrap up the podcast with hot and cold performers, I want to say that next, uh, is it next Saturday? No, the 26th. Yeah. We are hosting a brunch for band party at Soho on Jasper Ave. Early game, 11 a.m. start. So we are going to be getting after it early. Tyler will be recording Oilers Nation every day on location. Doors will be opening at 10 o'clock. Family friendly. 
family friendly, bring the kids on down. We are raising some money for a great cause. Uh, Dan, walk us through the cause that we're working for. Yeah. So uh, we have been bestowed the honor by the Stelters to, uh, to raise some money in Ben's name. And uh, they're going to let us know where they would like us to send that money to. Uh, so as you mentioned, if you head over to nationgear.ca, you can pick up your tickets for $40 each that the proceeds from those will all go to the, uh, to the charity of the Stelter's choice. And then as well, as you guys mentioned, it is family friendly. So kids under 12 are all there for free. So uh, we'd love to see everybody come out. Tyler will be hosting. We'll have a coloring contest for the kids and uh, tons of prizes for the adults and a, and as always, we'll have a ton of fun on a brunch party on a Saturday morning. Uh, nationgear.ca, go get your tickets. They are moving quickly. So this event is going to sell out. So if you want to come, if you're around, you think a brunch party sounds like a good time to you, head on over to nationgear.ca. Of course, buying a ticket will get you the swag bag, which includes a t-shirt and your entry into a bunch of giveaways. It is going to be a great, great morning. Uh, for our friends at Canada Snowboards, time for hot and cold performers. Experience a world-class mashup of snowboarding and style right here in Alberta. Going on at Commonwealth Ooh. Stadium on December 10th, a heightened fan experience will grant you front row seats to watch the best snowboarders on earth. Go head-to-head in the largest stadium big air contest Canada has ever seen. Tickets are available at Ticketmaster. Tyler and I will be there. I think it's going to be a great time. Yeah. Going to be fun to have that event at Commonwealth Stadium. Again, that's December 10th. Tickets available at Ticketmaster. As we do every week, we're going to start off with our veggies, uh, the cold performers of the week. Liam, you're right in front of me. You are first up. Um, the Oilers defensively. <laughs> a boy. It's like in general. That, that's it. Just, Wait, was this hot or cold? This, this is cold. cold. Okay. Veggies. Yeah, we start with our veggies. Unless you're you don't a big eat vegetable your vegetables. I love, so actually, veggies are my new go-to drunk snack. You know, like a bag of frozen veggies. If I'm drunk, I get home like two in the morning. Hang on, hang on. on. A bag of frozen veggies. You're just going to whip those up, toss them in the microwave or something. I fry them with a bunch of butter, salt and pepper, and it's delicious. So they're no longer vegetables. You're you're eating butter (laughs) and salt. Exactly. But veggies, it's a great drunk snack. Give it a try. Mine are chicken wings from 7-Eleven. Yeah, you've talked about I'm that. a big chicken at right. 7-Eleven we've, guy. We've had this yeah. one before. Just try a little homemade veggies. I don't have time when I get home. That is the <laughs> last thing I'm going to do when I get home is to be like, you know what? These frozen peas and corn sounds delicious. I'm going to throw mm. to the side the pizza pops and the chicken nuggets and grab my bag yeah. of peas. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, my new cold it? performer, Tyler's Drunk Snack. <laughs> get for opening up uh coomzy you're up next your canada snowboard cold performer of the week the cold performer of the week is the weather here this is my first winter back in three years and oh, yeah. i told myself that the winters here aren't that bad i said the winters out east are worst because it's more wet it's more windy and that's a more difficult cold to deal with and now i'm here and it's like minus 26 with the wind chill and i'm like this sucks it's so fucking cold Oh, get cold. Layer up. I mean, it has been a really aggressive start to the winter. It wasn't this bad two weeks ago. It was such an intense shift. When we got back from Calgary two weeks ago, it was 15 degrees. Yeah. Just nuts. We were Uh, laughing at Calgary for how much snow they had. Mm -hmm. Tyler, you're up next. Your Canada Snowboard Cold Form of the Week. 
The NHL announcing today they aren't putting on the World Cup of Hockey in 2024 because they say they just can't get it done. It's a good excuse. This league literally got a bubble (laughs) sorted out in Edmonton in the middle of a pandemic in like two and a half months. And you're telling me with like two years of runway, you couldn't figure out a way to get a World Cup of Hockey done. They're saying they're going to try for 2025 now, which means we will be almost at the 10 year mark of Connor McDavid's professional hockey career and we will have yet to see him play in a true best on best tournament for team Canada it's embarrassing how the NHL can't get this figured out is beyond me boy oh boy oh boy oh boy Nation Dan your Canada snowboard cold form of the week uh, well, it's just a quick one. It's going to be Elon Musk for what he's doing to Twitter. You get my cold performer of the week. How dare you? I'm verified now. It is totally <laughs> legit. It is totally legit, Dan. I'm skipping here. I'm going to go. Uh, this <laughs> I'm upset. There you go. Uh, my cold goes for that $8 bag milk. I've spent $8 on way dumber shit than that. That's just. Yeah. Hey, like, no, I'm just curious. Is it from your OnlyFans? Well, I mean, the feet picks are paying for the Twitter blue. You What's know? the worst eight dollars ever spent? The worst eight dollars I've ever spent. Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is when we took the long bus ride to Winnipeg for the Heritage Classic, <laughs> and it was like two in the morning, and I bought a bunch of pizza from Seven Eleven, and it was the most revolting pizza I've ever had in my life. It was so bad that I was making everyone around me try it, and that was at least eight dollars. You know what you should have done instead <laughs> is cooked up a nice frozen bag of vegetables with a whole <laughs> stick of butter. That's a joke. That's an absolute joke, is what it is. <laughs> I was just, I had the same joke on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> like, can I guys? ask, can I go, like, I just need to ask, like, what are the, is it like the bag of mixed corn, peas, mix? and carrots? Yeah. <laughs> Not even, it's like or, lab-grown vegetables. <laughs> no, or I go with the ones where it's like the baby carrots with uh, the oh, yellow cool. and green string beans. You're a baby little carrots. to societal norms. Everyone's having their unhealthy food when they're drunk. I'm getting a layer of veggies in me. <laughs> my, uh, my twig and ba- or twig and berries. My Canada snowboard cold performer of the week is the Edmonton Oilers PK right now. As we record this, it is at 70.8%, which ranks them 29th of 32. Just dog shit on the PK. And there was no better evidence of that than against Washington when they gave up four of five. Gross. We have been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok, and flat out deceived. The funny thing about that is that penalty kill has improved in the last two games and we oh, are still yes. at 70%. Yes. Yes. Just shockingly bad. All right. Let's end off the podcast with some positives. Liam, you are first up. You're Canada's snowboard hot performer of the week. Hot performer of the week. Bus driver Robert G who helped the Crusaders the other week when they were in that snowstorm going down the QE2, got them off the road safely, and everyone was good to go. So thanks, Robert, for getting the boys safe and sound. It's getting hot in here. Coomzy, your Canada Snowboard Hot Form of the Week. Um, the Nintendo Switch has added Mario Party 1 and 2 <laughs> from the Nintendo 64's <laughs> games you can play now. And I've been playing myself some Mario Party 1, and those games are fun. Feeling hot, hot, hot. Feeling hot, hot, hot. <laughs> Tyler, your Canada Snowboard Hot Performer of the Week. 
This is a podcast called Oilers Nation Radio. We have made it to the one hour, five minute and 49 second mark. And no one's brought up the fact Connor McDavid still at a goal per game pace. Insane. Ooh. Hot performer of the week. Who's that? <laughs> what is that? That's Tyler. That's you? <laughs> no. That's what he says when he eats his veggies at two o'clock in the morning. He's watching them. He, he's just rubbing his stick of butter on all of the vegetables. Like, Come on. You, you know I'm a margarine guy. Next time you and I share a room that has like some kind of kitchen oh, in it, yeah. we are going to have some of this late night veggies that you are making. Oh. So good, man. <laughs> Nation Dan, you are Canada Snowboard Hop Form of the Week. Um, well, I'm going to give it, I just got a DM from some Stephen Mallet. I haven't checked to see if I can share all of his information, uh, but he just got a sick Oilers Nation tattoo and he sent it to me. So, uh, Stephen Mallet, you get my hot performer of the week. He's a hot guy. Especially with that I'll check tattoo. to see if we can actually share it. Uh, I will go with, you know what, to wrap up my Canada snowboard hot performer of the week, I'm just going to go Ryan Nugent Hopkins right now. We are 15 games into the season. He is, he's got 16 points, seven goals, a nine assist. My boy is hot. He's keeping it up and I love to see it. Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I love you, buddy. This is why I'm hot. I'm hot. Cause I'm flat. You ain't cause you not. Mm-hmm. And there you go. Well, this nation radio episode 200 and whatever Liam said earlier is in the books. Any final thoughts, boys? Go oil is go. Score prediction for tomorrow, Liam. Uh, four, five, four. For whomst? Four, five, four. Edmonton. Edmonton is winning five, four to Liam Coombsy. Score prediction against the Panthers. Whenever they play the Panthers, it's chaos. I feel like the final score is going to be like nine, seven. <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to say four, two Oilers. Nation Dan. Uh, six, five Florida in overtime. I'm going to go Oilers 4-2 win. No problem. Put it in the books. We haven't been to overtime this year. Have we? No, we have nope. not. No. Um, also, we should acknowledge that we are uh, recording this on Remembrance Day. So take some time and remember and give thanks to all those who fought for our freedoms. And all those that are currently fighting. Yeah. Good point, Dan. There you go. Oilers Nation Radio in the books. Have a great weekend, everybody. Shout out Gus, our bus driver from Calgary. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.